Hey, grab your Bible. And if we could please turn off this front. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Say this with me. This is my Bible. God's written living word to me. It reveals to me who God says I am. And tells me what God says I have. Because it's how he thinks. I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. And therefore I am transformed. Amen. Our text this morning is taken from 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. You can join me there. 1 Samuel chapter 2. This morning we're beginning a new series that I've entitled Walking in Favor with God and Man. Look with me. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 26. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. Every believer receives this favor from God when you are born again. What we often don't recognize is that there's an additional grace. There's an additional charis. There's an additional favor that's available for us to walk in. So we might say that God's unmerited favor is given to us when we turn our hearts to him and receive what he's done for us in Christ. And of course that includes forgiveness of sin. But something else that it does is God's favor gives us direct access to the Father in the same way that Jesus had it. Look with me at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. Paul says, And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I like that immeasurable riches. Riches of his grace, that's another word for favor, in kindness toward us, how's it come? In Christ Jesus. How does God's favor start in our lives? Where does God's favor first touch our lives? In Christ. When we turn our hearts to Christ, when we come to Christ, and we're placed in Christ, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift from God. So again, every one of us received God's favor when we came to Christ. And yet, 
there is still something that we can increase in. The boy Samuel did. We can increase in favor, which has to do with the very presence of God. The Amplified Translation of verse 8 says this, For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves. It's not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. Look at somebody and say, I've received that. Amen. I've received that favor. I've received that grace. Haven't you? God's grace is also his operational power. It's the force of his nature. And it's available to us as we pursue God. Our hearts growing in favor, our lives growing in favor is the result of two things. Number one, pursuing God. And number two, receiving from His presence. How many of you know you haven't received everything of God's presence that you're going to in your life, right? There, there, boy, if I had to wake up and know that there wasn't anything more, that the best this gets is when I got saved and accepted Jesus. Now, I know positionally, and I've taught it myself, that in Christ, He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's all ours positionally right now. But experientially, I can grow in favor I can grow in that grace. I can grow in God's nature and power being released through me. Number one, as I pursue God. And number two, as I receive from His presence. There's additional measures of His nature that empower me. In John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 16, look with me. For from the fullness, or from His fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Let's read that aloud. For from His fullness, whose fullness is it? Whose grace is it? Whose nature is it? Whose favor is it? It's His. And how many of you know Jesus is full of it? Turn to somebody and say, Jesus is full of it. You can say that in church. Jesus is full of this thing. I mean, he's full of grace. He's, he, he's full of favor. He lacks nothing. For from out of that fullness, out of the abundance of faith, how many of you know Jesus walked in favor? He walked in the fullness of God's nature. How many of you know that? How many of you believe that? Jesus walked in a fullness, in a a presence that caused demons to run and flee. He He didn't even need to speak to them oftentimes. Out of that fullness, we, 
Who's we? Point your finger at yourself. Yeah. Out of that fullness, we, me, you, have all received grace upon grace <laughs> upon... It grows. It, you can pursue God. You can be hungry for God. You can pursue His presence and receive greater favor, greater awareness of His nature, greater power flowing through your life. It's all available. It's all available. The power of God, the power Jesus walked in when He was on this earth is available to you. The favor Jesus walked in when He was on this earth is available to you. I like the Amplified translation of this verse, verse 16. John chapter 1, verse 16. For out of His fullness, that's the superabundance of His grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace. Watch this. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. Oh my goodness, I don't know about you, but I want that. I want more spiritual gifting. I want more favor. I want more spiritual blessing. And the scripture says that it comes out of Jesus and we're in him, but we can increase in that. Now, I want you to be careful with something here. This is not approval. This is not God's approval that we're talking about. This is not something that we lack like something that was missing in the garden. You'll recall in the garden that was the great lie that the enemy got Adam and Eve to believe is that they needed something outside of what God had created them to have. We're not talking about that. So we're, we're not talking about God's approval. We're not talking about seeking or pursuing God for His approval. It's a matter of growing in something that already exists. How many of you have a muscle? How many of you used a muscle this week? How many of you wish you had grown more in that muscle to be able to accomplish even greater things. But how many of you know the muscle was there? See, you have already been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, but we can, we can grow in favor. We can increase by our pursuit of His presence. I like that. See, David said it this way in Psalm 23, Surely, goodness... And love shall chase me all the days of my life. Have you ever felt like God was chasing you? I mean for good things. <laughs> Not to condemn you or judge you or put you down. Or, but to love you. To just increase your favor and your joy and healing through joy 
Wasn't that a great word this morning? Healing through joy. That was the banner over the worship set. Healing through joy. Some of you got healed this morning and you're not even completely aware of what happened yet in your body while we were worshiping. That's how God's presence worked. See, that's a favor. And I can increase in that by pursuing God and being more aware of his presence, receiving from his presence. Sometimes I stop receiving from his presence. He never stops giving. Sometimes I get myself in a place where I stop receiving. I stop being aware. I stop actively using my faith to receive God's favor. So what is God's favor? God's favor is his charis, his grace, his nature, his power in our lives. When did it begin? When we turned our hearts to Jesus and received him and were born again. And just like your muscles, when you were born, you were born with a full set of muscles. But now we have to develop them. What happens if you ever wind up in the hospital or under a physician's care in a, a way that maybe you're in a, a bed or in a wheelchair for weeks? What happens to those muscles? When, it's, when you're healed and it's time to get out of that wheelchair and maybe walk or jog, go back to your daily routine, how many of you know you don't, on week three or four or five or six of having sat in a wheelchair or having laid in a bed, you don't pop up out of that bed and, and return to your jogging, do you? No, you, you've got to develop. You've got to redevelop something that's already there, but we had stopped receiving. We had stopped using it the way that, we, that was available to us to use. That's what we're talking about this morning, is the favor of God. I want to say something to you here as we turn in our Bibles to the first chapter of 1 Samuel. Go ahead. 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I want to look at a family who walked in favor. I want to look at a family this morning that knew what it was like to walk in favor. Now as we begin this chapter, I'd like to say to you, your dysfunction does not determine the favor of God. Aren't you glad? Your dysfunction does not determine the favor of God. We're about to read about a family that was full of dysfunction. We're about to read about a couple of families here that were full of dysfunction. And yet God's favor was available to the ones who pressed in and pursued it and made themselves available to his presence. Verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1, there was a man named Elkanah, who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf, in the hill country of Ephraim. He was a son of Jerome. 
son of Elu, or Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, of Ephraim. And Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Panena, or Pania, Panina, like Nina, but Pani, Panina. I, I'm working on my pronunciations here. I tried to write them down here. Panina. Panina had children, but Hannah didn't. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were to the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Pinhas. Look back at verse 1. Son of, son of, son of. See, that was important in that day for your identity. That's where you drew your identity. Furthermore, that's where you drew your position and your power from is whose son were you. So they'd, they'd look at that genealogy and they'd list it. Son of, son of, son of. In the marketplace, they'd introduce themselves by their name. I am, the, I am this. I am, my name is Jeff. I'm the son of. Because that was my identity. Thank God I have a greater identity today than just being the son of John Corson. Oliver Lewis John Corson. Thank God I have an identity today greater than just being the son of a human being. My identity now is wrapped up in a supernatural being. His name is Jesus. Hi, I'm Jeff, son of the Most High God. My elder brother is Jesus. Talk about position. Talk about power. Talk about greatness. Hallelujah. Christ has given you a new identity. You're one with the Trinity. Furthermore, Paul says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places He's given us all power. Wow. Verse 2. Look at these family members. Elkanah, or Elkanah, God has possessed. It means God has possessed, or God has purchased, or the zeal of God. Then Hannah, what a beautiful name. Hannah means grace, favor, favorable. Panina means jewel or precious stone. It says that they went up to Rama to worship. Rama means a fortified city, a high place, a place of worship. And then Shiloh, a place of rest. Oh, I like that. Home of the Ark of the Covenant. The place where Samuel grows up. And in verse 3 it says that Elkanah, or Elkanah would travel regularly up to Shiloh to worship. You see, when you're God-possessed, oh, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I said, when you're God-possessed, when you understand who purchased you, when the zeal of God is on your life and you're excited about the things of God, you'll travel to get to a place of worship. Inconveniences, possessions, material wealth, entertainment, the Broncos, 
None of it will stop you from traveling and being in the place of worship. And that's not just Sunday worship. That's the place of worship when you feel that little tug drawing you to the place of prayer, drawing you to just take five minutes to love the Lord, to acknowledge the Lord, to be aware of the Lord in His presence. I like that. Even health issues didn't stop Hannah from going to the place of worship. Verse 4, on the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Panina and each of her children. Now, the, the next part, verse 5, the first part of verse 5, I want to read from the English Standard Version. You can follow along. I'm sure it's in the NLT here. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. Though the Lord had given her no children. Now watch this. So, Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkaniah would say. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? Watch this. You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking that wasn't a smart thing to say. <laughs> verse, verse 7 again. Year after year it was the same. Panina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Look at this. Panina bullies Hannah to the point of depression, anxiety, Bulimia and tears. I'm here to tell you that religion and legalism will always suck the life of God's goodness and favor right out of your life. So while you even have family members who go up to the house of the Lord, even though you have friends that go up to the house of the Lord. There are some. You can be in their presence and they give life. They lift you. There are others. They just suck the favor of God right out of you. How many of you have somebody in your life like both of those? <laughs> How many of you have tried to be Hannah and go up and worship the Lord. You've tried to be more passionate with the things of God. You've, you, you've tried to exercise the favor of God. And there's a family member. There's a friend. There's somebody that you trusted trying to bring you down. Criticizing you. Saying, you don't have any children. The Lord obviously hasn't blessed you. Verse 8. Cana says, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you don't have any children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? You know, sometimes unbridled zeal of God needs to shut up. Sometimes the zeal of God needs to be tempered with the grace 
of God. Remember the names. Remember the meaning of these names. Elkaniah possessed <laughs> of God. Hannah, the favor, the grace of the Lord. Starting in verse 9, Hannah takes this concern to the Lord and begins to pray. Let's look. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, remember that's the place of rest, place of worship for the whole family, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Verse 12. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought, she's been drinking. And look what he says to her. Verse 14, must you come here drunk, woman? He demanded, throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything. Now, this is, this is the priest in the house of God who doesn't have enough discernment to understand what's going on in the life of somebody who exhibits favor and grace. Do you know there's a lot of religious people that don't understand the message of God's favor and God's grace. They're so used to a religious system of performance that if, you, if you're not teaching something that has you having to do to receive having to perform to get God's forgiveness and grace and favor. They think you're drunk. They think you're completely whacked. That's Eli here. No, sir, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged. And I was pouring my heart out to the Lord. Don't think that I'm a wicked woman. For I have been praying out of a great anguish and sorrow. Watch this. And in that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked him. Verse 18. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back. Watch this. She went back. She began to eat. And she was no longer sad. Sometimes you have to pour out where you are in order to get where you're going. And you know that's okay? It's okay to be in God's presence and exhale. It's okay to be in God's presence pursuing Him zealously, hungry for God, and yet pouring out your complaint Pouring out. See, if you don't complain to him, you're going to complain to somebody. Let's say it again. If you don't complain to the Lord, you're going to complain to somebody. See, the place to take our complaint is to the Lord because he understands. You know why? 
Because your dysfunction doesn't change God's favor. Mm. Your dysfunction, your complaint, our hours, our seasons of unbelief where we need to pour out and get honest with God and say, does anybody care? Does anybody believe in me anymore? Does anybody speak a good word? Can I trust anybody with my thoughts? You can trust the Lord. You can go to the Lord. Verse 13 and 14, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought that she was drinking. Religion will never understand the move of the Spirit of God. Often you'll have to travail alone in order to give birth to the promise of God that he's put into your spirit. Don't expect a crowd. Oh, I don't know. It's quiet in here this morning. I said, often you will have to travail alone to give birth to what God's put in you. Don't expect a crowd. Even your religious covering, Eli, in this case, might completely misunderstand what's on the inside of you. Call it something else. Misname it. You've got to know what God's put in you. You've got to know God's voice for yourself and not live by the voice of a man of God or a woman of God or a church or a teaching. You've got to spend time pursuing the presence of God which releases more of His favor. Verse 17 and 18 again, let's look at it. Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she said. Then she went back. Look at it. Let's read it aloud. Then she went back. It's on the board. Should be. Then she went back and say it, began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Do we have that up there? Let's get it up there. I want to read it again. Verse 18. Everybody together. Then she went back. Everybody together. Then she went back and began to eat again. And she was no longer sad. Because she got a confirming word of what was already inside of her as a dream. You see... A new birth always comes out of great trial and shift. A new day never begins until there's shifting. A new dimension is never entered into until there's great trial trying to keep you out of there. One promise from God's lips, one word from God's lips in your situation can completely turn your emotions and shift you into right thinking. She began to eat again. She left her bulimia. And she said, I, man, I can, I can go through this. I'm no longer sad. Hallelujah. Now comes the increase. Now comes the increase in favor. Look with me. Let's look at verse 19. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. 
Man, this is a worshiping family. How about you? Do you have a worshiping family? <laughs> or is it kind of hit and miss? You know, they were faithful. They loved the presence of God. They worshiped in the presence of God, despite their dysfunction. And it's interesting that Panina's name meant jewel. How many of you know there's some real jewels in your life? <laughs> See, you don't look for the outward. You got you to gotta look for that inward. You got to look for that favor. You got to look for people who know how to walk in that favor, in that life, that blessing of God in their life, all right? Don't just go by their words. So they went up to worship the Lord one more time. Then they returned home to Rama. Remember the meaning of Rama? Anybody? Meaning of Rama? I'm, gonna, I'm going to go back to these definitions real quick because this is important. The meaning of Rama, a fortified city, a high place. Rama, a fortified city or a high place. Now, keep that in mind as we go here. So, when they were finished worshiping, they returned home. Notice where home was. In a fortified city or a high place. When Elkaniah, or Elkaniah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. I asked the Lord for him. And the next year, Elkaniah and his family went on their spiritual annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep their vow. Verse 22, but Hannah didn't go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned, then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Now this uh, verse 19, look at it. They returned to Ramah. You know, you have to be careful, even after you've worshipped the Lord in a place like Shiloh, where you love and it's easy and there's a lot of people around who are loving God and worship. How many of you have ever been to a conference? You've been to a big worship gathering and boy, it was easy just to go each day to each meeting and just feel like, oh my goodness, I don't have a worry in the world. And you know what? It's going to be just like this when I get home. How many of you have ever done that? Gone to a revival meeting, gone to a convention, things are high, things are, oh my goodness, you're swinging from the rafters, there's miracles, there's prophetic words, hands are being laid on, people are falling under the power of the Spirit. And then you have to go back to Rama, a stronghold, a fortified place. You have to go back to life. And here's what the Lord's trying to tell us. Be careful not to return to what is familiar. The Hebrew definition of Rama is a place of illicit worship or a stronghold. We have to be careful not to return to a walk of performance. Even repentance doesn't get your forgiveness or the favor of God. So don't go back there. Paul said, I'm, I'm amazed that you are so easily removed 
from this message of grace that you would go back and think that you can now get the things of the Spirit by your performance. Book of Galatians. The place of your comfort and retreat might just be the place that creates a stronghold of captivity. Let me give you a for instance. Our technology. I love our technology. The internet has provided tools for study today like I have never had before in my life. Used to be when I wanted to study for a sermon, I'd get out all my books, my strong concordance and my vines dictionary and you know, I'd have five, six, seven translations of the Bible out. I mean, I needed a 60-inch desk or an eight-foot table just to spread it all out. And then I had to keep track of it. And then I had to write things down. I'd have notes on this pad and notes on this sheet. And, and all that's gone away. In fact, oftentimes I can just take this little guy right here, my iPad, and, and do all my studying. I can access all those same Writings, all those same study aids with this. And then type the notes right into this and preach out of them if I want to. It's amazing, this technology. Incredible. How about Facebook? How many of you are big Facebookers? Huh? You're on it a couple of hours a day? Three, four, ten, fifteen? Yeah. I know some of you are. Because when my wife gets up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. and starts Facebooking, you all are sending messages back. I know you are. <laughs> I don't use it myself very much. I have an account. Every once in a while a message pops up and usually it's to send somebody a happy birthday. It's a notification of a birthday. I'm not on there a lot. But I know this. I'm thankful for the Internet. I'm thankful for Facebook and Twitter and Twitter and Twitter and Titer and all of the various technologies today that have made, really, our study of the Lord and pressing into the things of God easier. But you must be careful because the place where you worship might just become the place of your captivity. I see it all the time in, in church service. People who can't put a phone away and just listen to a message because they've got to be face on Facebook, got to be responding to the latest text. You go to dinner anymore. You go out with people for a meal. And you know what? They'll take their phone and they'll set it right there where they can see if they get a message. And then if a message comes in, they've got to pick it up. Now, if you're on call, I get it. <laughs> But if you can't even have a meal, a relational meal with somebody you love and trust and take your phone and just put it away, stick it on airplane mode and have a meal, it, it's not that that's evil. It's that what is it doing? Is it taking you away from the relational component of your life where God wants to Build more of his favor where God through that conversation with that person might just give you a word that releases what was birthed in you earlier that week and you missed it because you had to respond to a text. I'm not trying to put anybody into bondage. I'm just be saying be careful not to go back to Rama. 
when you do go back to Ramah, just be sure you keep what you learned at Shiloh. Don't give up what you got at Shiloh when you have to go back to Ramah. Fortified city. Paul said it this way. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Pulling down strongholds and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I've been learning how to lay some of this down. I've been learning how to turn some of it off. And yesterday, although with an Apple Watch, you're kind of never <laughs> completely away from it now. So I got myself an Apple Watch, you know, because I felt like that was the word of the Lord. I mean, the word of the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to me and said, get an Apple Watch. And I'll tell you what, that this has been such an incredible tool. I use it all the time. I'm thankful for it. The other day, I wasn't near my phone. Somebody called. It was an important phone call. And I just pressed the button, and I, I responded and talked into my watch. Took the call, hung up, business was done. It was great. Thank God for it. But it used to be I had to have my iPod and I had to have my phone and all of that. And I had to have my earbuds, even walking the dogs because I needed to stay in touch. And yesterday I went out without any of it, just left it all. And just walked the dogs and prayed in the Holy Spirit and received from my message this morning. It was beautiful. See, So you got to separate Shiloh from Ramah. Nothing wrong with you. Might live at Rama. You might have to go back to Rama. Just don't let the fortified city rule your thoughts. Take them captive to the obedience of Christ and live in the place that Hannah lived. Grace and favor. Hallelujah. Mm. Verse twenty-three. So she stayed home. Hannah stayed home. She told her husband. You go ahead and go and, and have the normal worship service, but I need to stay back with the boy and nurse him. How many of you know sometimes you have to nurse your dream? How many of you know sometimes you have to nurse the goodness and the favor of God, and you need to send everybody else ahead? They don't need to be there to hear what you're going to pray. <laughs> How many of you sometimes you know you need some alone time with God? How many of you are married and ever been asked by your spouse, well, what did God tell you? What were you praying? What did God say? Have you ever told your spouse none of your business? <laughs> There's times where what God is birthing in you can't even be shared with the closest of family until you've weaned that thing and it's time to go back up to Shiloh and worship. <clears throat> Verse 24, Hannah takes Samuel <clears throat> to Shiloh, the place of rest, <clears throat> and she worships. See, pressing Pressing, we said this at the beginning of the message, pressing, pressing into presence makes available an increase of favor. Say it with me. Pressing into presence makes available an increase of favor. We're going to say it again. Pressing into presence makes available an increase of favor. Say it one more time. Pressing into presence makes available an increase 
of favor. This is the place where God's power and presence manifests, is in favor. Now, verse 28, Hannah surrenders even her promise of fulfillment. Hannah surrenders even her promise and the fulfillment of trusting in the favor of God to God in His presence. says, Lord, you gave me this child. I asked for this child. But I've given birth to this dream now. And I just bring it and lay it at your feet. What you want to do from here is your business. And the scripture actually says... Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 11, that after a prayer, she prayed an extensive prayer. Then we go into chapter 2, verse 11. Then Elkaniah returned home to Ramah without Samuel, and the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. Now, I want you to watch something. Watch. Watch this. Chapter 2, verse 26. And the child Samuel grew. The Samuel child grew in stature and was in favor both with the Lord and with men. He grew. What's it mean to grow? I looked up this word in the Hebrew. To grow, to become great, to become important, to be prominent, to make powerful, to be appraised, to magnify, to do great things. How many of you want to grow and do great things? How many of you want to grow and be powerful? How many of you want to grow in what God has called you to? Samuel grew in what God had for him. But then it also says that he increased in favor. This word favor means good, pleasant, agreeable, a good thing, benefit, welfare, prosperity, happiness. And we have people today that accuse and come against what they call, what they've termed, oh, it's convenient to throw things and label things, throw, throw cliché-ish terms out and criticize when you don't know what you're talking about. But the prosperity gospel, they'll call it. The critics call it the prosperity gospel. And they'll criticize those who believe that it's God's will for us now on this earth to walk in that measure of favor where we experience material blessings. Well, I looked up this word favor, and again, it means good. It means pleasant. It means welfare, prosperity, happiness. God wants me. Samuel increased in welfare. Samuel increased in happiness. He increased in prosperity. And if Samuel can, so can you. Because now you actually are in the very source of favor who walked in unlimited favor, John chapter 1. And he has given you that grace. And it's grace upon grace Favor upon favor. How many of you would like to have more favor in your business? How many of you could use greater favor in your finances? How many of you believe that a touch, a greater touch of favor in your body, in your wellness, would be a blessing? Help you. Okay. <laughs> have I made my point? God wants us to increase in favor. Let me give you a quick 